Welcome to season four, episode one of Blue Blood TV. In today's recap, we're going to talk about Coach K's last season. Duke comes in as the only ranked team in the ACC. They have a 14-3 overall record and 4-2 and in the ACC. On the other side, UNC has been struggling a bit in their first season under Hubert Davis. They're 12-5 and in the overall, but the ACC, they're 4-2. and Duke has had a much better non-conference results by being Kentucky and Gonzaga, and they had a little late collapse with uh, Ohio State. On the other hand, UNC's had a really difficult time with out-of-conference matchups such as Kentucky. They've dropped games to Tennessee and Purdue. Connor, we're going to just kind of drop over to the Duke side. Connor, how do you think the Duke season is going so far? You know, I, I actually think it's going pretty well. Um, you know, first and foremost, everyone is obviously the main story is talking about Kay and his last season and everywhere he goes getting, you know, a gift or some sort of celebration for his retirement. And we kind of saw that kick off at the Garden and and with the beatdown of Kentucky. And I thought that was a great way to open the season um, against a solid Kentucky team with a good amount of transfers. And I thought that was going to be a comp, like a, a good litmus test for our season and kind of how, how it went. Um, I would say the Ohio State matchup was was pretty concerning considering we kind of got dominated in low. Um, but then, you know, we beat Gonzaga. So, and I, I just think it's going well. I think that this team, uh, you know, could use a little bit more consistency and, and maybe a little bit more toughness on the interior. Uh, Mark Williams has done a great job, but I think that he could do more on the offensive class. Um, we got eaten up by Kentucky um, and uh, Zay Key for Ohio State kind of was able to help them come back from down 17. So I think really other than that Ohio State team, there's nothing that sticks out to me negatively. And I do think um, like when we turn it on, it shows that we can be one of the top teams in the country. And I really. So well, let me ask you a question. Like, how would you rank this team in comparison to other Duke teams. I mean, you've got the names, Connor. You've got the the five-star recruits, Connor. Um, you know, how, how long have you been a, a Duke fan? How long have you been a Duke fan? Well, you know, actually, uh, my parents like to say I was a Duke fan before I was born. Um, I was born a couple weeks early, and, and my parents credit that to go to the Duke-Stanford game. Um, when, you know, a couple weeks before I was born. So, so, so okay, so you're, you're a Duke fan before you're born. Connor, tell me, where do you rank this team? You know, I think it's up there. I, obviously, in my lifetime, it's not the most talented. I think, obviously, the Zion year you can point to as, like, this team has the most pure talent. But I think something that we have had that hasn't been around, you know, for the last probably 10 years, 11 years to do basketball is, is we have a good balance of veterans and, and young players that are contributing um, Paolo contributing. Wendell's had a really good season. Obviously, Trevor Keels 
and Mark Williams. So it's kind of a, and, and we have Theo John, who's a transfer, who's getting good minutes. So it's kind of like a, uh, an interesting collection. I think we haven't had before. And I'm, I'm very optimistic in terms of um, where this team can go, not just based on the pure talent levels, but also based on, you know, the chemistry and how hard they play. And I think this team really kind of has that like dog, the fight in them that's going to, you know, stand out and, and win you tournament games, which is something that you need that I don't know if some of our more talented team, talented teams had that fight, they kind of just use their talent as a way to win instead of, you know, fighting through it. Okay. So, so then you concur that this could be one of coach K's most talented teams. And some would say that they have five first round draft picks. Do you, do, do you, do you see that? Do yeah. I mean, five first round draft picks. I think, I think, it's definitely, definitely up there. I think you got to lock in Paolo as a, as a top three. I would honestly take a number one overall. Um, AJ has been playing great. You know, Trevor Keels got banged up the other night, but he's also been looking really good. Wendell has kind of flipped his kind of career um, on a dime, and, and he went from being this guy that, you know, never really panned out to a potential first-round pick because of his two-way play and his playmaking ability. And then Mark Williams, too, is just having a great year defensively. And, um, you know, he's a clear, like, rim-running threat in the NBA because you can't teach 7-1 and you can't teach athleticism, and he is both. Um, so I think I think all four of those guys are 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 locks for me. And then, I, I don't know, I think – there's a lot of there's a lot of supporting talent um, on the team that that has been higher than it might have been in other years. I think when you're comparing Duke's teams, you know, in the last 10, 20 years, um, you, you're looking at a very high bar, obviously, right, with the Zion team um, and with the 2015 national championship team. I think both of those teams had. Um, I think the, the 2015 ended up with four first round picks after Grayson Allen ended up going in the first round a few years later, but I think the way this team plays together is the differentiating factor between this team and previous teams. And I think this team really gels and, and I really like seeing what I see on the court and the talent is there and it could be any guy that goes off on a given night, but um, also the, the teamwork is there. So I think it's a nice collection. Okay. So my final question on Duke, um, the overview of Duke, before we dig into what happened last night, I wanted, I want to know, do you think, uh, based on the results last night, that that loss made Duke tougher? Is preparing them to go further, or did that do loss deflate them? Tell me what you think. You know, I think obviously, you know, we're going to go more into it, especially the Keels injury. But I, I think if anything, that, that was kind of a good loss for us. I think the Miami was the Miami loss was a really tough one, and and the fact that we rebounded was great and. Honestly, show, last night, I think we showed a lot of fight. We were down, you know, seven with a couple minutes to play. Um, Keels is out, and the team kind of rallied together and was able to come back. And so I thought it was a it was a hopeful loss. The, the real problem that I see kind of coming up for Duke is that there's not a real way to um, markedly, like, improve their schedule. You know, they're, they're playing ACC, um, which is kind of a tougher, tougher league this year, which is um, – unfortunate for for Duke in terms of getting back up to where we want to be but I do think the loss if anything is is great for building us towards a tournament but you know before we go into anything else don't think you don't think I'm gonna let you forget about UNC and no let me forget about it let me forget about what's going on Ah! (laughs) yeah how do you feel how do you feel 
you're going through what I might be going through next year. You know, you, you lost your legend. Um, you, you might be having a tough year. At least you still had the recruiting class and you still have all the guys, but you know, it doesn't look the same. Do you think, do you think that's Hubert Davis? What, what do you think is going on? Us? You know, I think anytime you lose Roy Williams, you lose a few recruits, you add a new coach. When the old coach leaves, he did not leave the covered stock. So, for example, when Dean Smith left back in, I believe, in 1997, he turned over a team that was stacked to build Bill Gruffin. That included Vince Carter. Um, Hubert Davis was not dealt that that hand. He was dealt a team that was fragmented. He was dealt a team where players got on the transfer portal. And, um, and D- Hubert Davis was a position where he had to tape a team back together. He had to go get uh, recruits from all over the country. And so my opinion is Hubert Davis was not set up for success this year. Um, and, um, and his team is good enough to beat the bottom half of the ACC. His team is not good enough to beat the top four or five teams in the ACC because they're just not, they're just not good enough. And, and I'm going to throw Notre Dame into that mix, Duke, Florida state, Miami. We saw the Miami game and we'll dig, dig into that a little bit later, but um, we weren't even competitive because we don't have the type of players that you're going to need to win top level ACC games, even though this year the ACC is not a good conference compared to the big 10 conference compared to other conferences out there. Um, but we're, we're not even good enough to compete in the top four or five in the, in the conference. So like where do you think, you know, that's a, a Roy Williams problem is, is UNC just not the, the, you know, recruiting powerhouse that it was right. Cause you obviously see Duke and they're lined up with another top five recruiting class next year. Um, it's going to be a new coach, but it looks like, you know, same system. It's going to keep out, keep pumping out good teams. Do you think that there's like a, what's the, what's the, what's going on there? Is it, is it on, so, Roy, on the program? So I think Roy has to bear some of the blame um, because, you know, when you turn over a team, you should turn over that team uh, uh, full of players. I think uh, coach K is going to do the same thing to just to Shire, because I think you've got five first round picks that are going to leave um, next year. Okay. And, uh, and how do you replace those? You place those with other five-star recruits and um, the recruiting trail for Duke looks great. Um, but both teams are going to have players that just don't have a ton of experience and if you do uh recruit a team like the zion like the zion era or the 2015 team and you can get those type of players in okay great but you don't have coach k to kind of guide that ship so um so my take on hubert davis as the head coach is uh, this is going to be a tough season for carolina fans um i don't even know if this team can show up and really compete in the blue blood rivalry, but I'm hopeful and I'm hopeful that um, Hubert Davis can um, just keep these guys motivated long enough to beat all the teams in the ACC they're supposed to beat. And, 
uh, compete just on sheer will against the top half of the ACC. What I saw last night was uh, it was it, it sucked. I mean, because we were the seven o'clock game um, and we did not put on a good show and and Duke was the nine o'clock game. So it really kind of pissed me off. And I know that Duke fans were watching that game laughing at us. And, you know, quite frankly, it pisses me off. Um, you know, Connor, you know, our team is not good. Our team is not competitive. I'm going to switch it back to you. Does Duke have what it takes to win the ACC and do well in the tournament, get to a Final Four? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think Duke, I think it, I think we definitely can go all the way. I think um, unlike other teams in the past, we do. We are a little bit matchup-based. You know, I'd be scared to play a Purdue or, or another team with a large front-court presence. Um, so I think that it does depend on matchups, but I think I really do see this team have having what it takes to make a run in terms of, you know, we're able, like when we turn it on, we can play great defense and we can play great offense. We're good on both sides of the ball. We have a lot of guys that give a lot of heart and, you know, play both ways, um, and play both ways. Well, I think having that ability, like if we need a stop, we can go out and get a stop. Um, and if we need a bucket, you know, we have four guys on the court who at one-on-one -on -one at any moment could probably get you a bucket. So I think that that recipe is perfect. I think um, the the Keels injury might might be a, a little um, downfall for us. But I think um, other than, you know, I think the performance of Theo John is kind of going to kind of going to be what it is, because I think our front court depth is is a little scary when we're talking about winning a tournament, but I think I definitely expect a good performance from this team. And I think, especially in the ACC tournament, my expectations at this point are to win the ACC tournament um, and hopefully to win the ACC regular season. Oh, well. come on, Connor. Oh, come on, come on, man. Do you really think you got the dogs to go up against Miami? Did you see the Miami team last, last night? Do you think, do you think you have that? You think, do you think Miami's better than Florida state? Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think Miami's a lot better than Florida State. I think for, Miami, you know, beat us by two, and it was the game of their season, and we had two different shots to win the game. Um, and we didn't score in the last two minutes of the game, right? We're up 74-69 with two minutes left, and we, and we don't score. We lose 74-76, to right? I think um, – and, and, you know, their players are going crazy. I was at the game, like – you get every Duke fan was silent, but um, the entire team was screaming. They all still in the court. And it's like, all right, is this an ACC winning team? This is not their level of expectation, right? You got to go in with the mentality that you are the king. And, and I think Miami still is still a little bit fighting from that underdog mentality. And that's often going to lead them to have letdown spots. Um, so, you know, so you think the Duke factor when, when it all counts is going to be the ultimate factor that pushes you past Florida state and uh, Miami when it all counts. I think 100%. I think, you know, every team when they play Duke plays their best game. It's their, you know, one they have circled on the calendar. It's what they're looking for. Everyone wants to come at the King. You always want to, you know, go at the, whoever. Are, are, the, are you the, are you the King? Oh, like, yeah. I didn't know this, like that's news to me. That's 100% news to me. we're the King. 100% we're the King. With a, before last week, before other than Duke, no ACC team had be, beaten another ranked opponent. The Duke was the only team to be ranked or to beat a ranked opponent. Like that is just dominance in the ACC. That is just being the best team. And I think, you know, maybe we haven't been able to get it done in terms of the tournament or winning a couple games that have decided our season. But if you look at over the last five to 10 years, we're consistently always at the top, always battling for first, if not winning. Um, 
I think we're the best team in the ACC. And I, I don't think that's this year, at least I don't think that's a huge question. I think, you know, even if you look at Miami, who's currently leading the ACC, they have a one point loss to Florida state. Um, they beat Syracuse by one that they've been in a lot of close games, you know? Um, and I think eventually their luck is bound to turn, but clearly, clearly the one close game was against UNC. So that's, that's not much of a worry for us. Um, but what about you, Haas? Uh, you got me a little excited here with the, with the UNC pessimism. And do you think, think it's going to still pan out for you guys or what? But for the tournament, you talk about tournament, you talk about the ACC. Yeah, I'm talking about, I, 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 first of all, I think ACC championships, you know, we don't, I don't know if that's really in the picture at this point, but what about making the tournament? Let's, let's set the lights, the sites low. I mean, well, look, I don't, I, look, I look at our schedule in the ACC. We've got Wake Forest, we got Virginia Tech, we got Boston College, NC State. Um, those four games we should win. But then we have to go to uh, Louisville and Duke uh, February 5th, right? Those are games where I'm not sure we can win um, because, you know, those opponents are going to be equally matched, right? So, again, it's going to uh, Syracuse. I'm not sure, right? Because that's one of those mid, mid-table mid teams. NC State, we should beat them. And then we got to play Duke again, right? So, um, I think UNC um, – it's going to have a tough time between like playing the Florida States, the Louisville's, the Syracuse, and those are all just more losses. And then some of those mid table teams that are close to us, um, it, those are going to be dog fights with like the Notre Dame's, the Wake Forest, the Louisville's. Um, so, so do I think we have what it takes? I'm hoping that we have what it takes. I'm hoping that we show up on, uh, Duke Carolina night. Um, and I'm hoping that we show up, uh, you know, for the remainder of the season, but will we make the tournament? You know, Connor, I don't know, because I don't know if the, the games I think we can win, we're going to get enough, uh, RPI points to really, uh, get into the, uh, the tournament. So, uh, I think it's going to be a rough one. This could be a rough season for uh, Hubert Davis, and it's just going to be one that he has to, to swallow. But here's what I will say. February 5th, Hubert Davis has an opportunity. March 5th, one month, four weeks later, he has another opportunity, and that's to beat Duke. So for a Carolina fan, if we can beat Duke at home in the Dean Dome, um, I think that would be enough for Hubert Davis to smile, to say this is a rebuilding year. And if he can creep into the tournament, great. Um, do we have the tools to win it? No. Uh, this year. And then um, we can uh, just kind of recalibrate and get ready for the 2022-2023 season. That, that's, what I'm t- that's what I'm sticking to. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six-pack or four-pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale, is light, crisp, and refreshing. So, Connor, here's what I want to do. I want to uh, talk about last night, okay? Last night, let's be honest, 
It was tough for both sides of the rivalry. It was, you know, a little bit better for Duke because you were in the game and you ended up losing 78-79. It was very tough for me to watch uh, UNC uh, Miami when we lose 57-85. to And I'm waiting for Caleb Love to take over the game just to say, okay, we're going to lose. Let me get 40 points. And um, what he showed me last night that he isn't that player. He's a good player, but he isn't the player that can just keep a team in a game. Um, But I want to talk about Duke specifically last night. You had won five in a row over FSU. And he only lost one game since 2013. What's your take on last night? And then we'll get to other elements. What's your take? Well, I think, first of all, you know, like you said, it was nice to watch the end of the Miami game. It was a little treat before Duke tipped off. Uh, just, you know, nothing really competitive about it. But it was it was good to see. It was good to see. Um, I think, you know, I, I I liked a lot of what I saw from Duke. I think. Paolo should have been significantly more of a factor because uh, Miami has a lot of length and, and they're kind of like Louisville in this. They have a lot of length, but not necessarily uh, a ton of mass and size that way and size down low. And I thought Paolo probably should have had his way with a lot of different guys on their team down low or in the high post. Um, I think sometimes that when we lose. So you're game, talking, you're talking about FSU, not Miami. FSU, we played, yeah. we played Miami. You played FSU, very similar teams, lots of length, lots of athletes. Uh, I, I believe you guys played against four seven-footers. I think there was one guy, seven-foot, seven-one, seven-two, and seven-four. Uh, so that's a really – a team with a lot of length at Florida State. So tell me about Florida State. Yeah, so I think, you know, their length was a, was a real problem for us. Um, I think that we – we should have taken more advantage of, of our players down low, particularly, particularly Paolo. Um, he's obviously one of the best players in the country, if not the best player in the country. And sometimes in losses, he kind of disappears for, for stretches of the game, um, especially when we need a bucket. I think we tend to go to Wendell a little bit more instead of Paolo. And um, I think that would be my, my number one takeaway is just get, get Paolo more involved, but yeah, it's tough. We're playing uh, a super long versatile team. You know, they're, several seven footers and a bunch of them can shoot the three well too. Um, and that, that proved to be a problem for us was defending the three point ball. Um, so I, I would just say, I would like, I would like for us to run better sets to get Powell the ball against mismatches. I think that's, that's the key. And I, I think um, for a couple games in a row now, when we've lost, we we've had a, a shot to win it. And, and it's been Wendell pulling up on the break, which I do not think is our best offense. I think it should be, some type of action, but get the ball in Paolo's hands. I think it should be his shot every time. He's the best player, um, even though it might be Wendell's team right now because he's the leader, he's the captain, he's kind of kind of the emotional guy for them. I think uh, Kay's got to recognize who, who his best players are and get the ball to them. So other than that and and the Trevor Keels injury, which was, which was really tough, and we don't kind of know enough about that yet, what, what the long-term effects are, um, I would say it wasn't a horrible game. I, I think it, it reminds me of like other losses that we've had, which is we're getting um, taken advantage of on the offensive glass. And we're just, you know, not, not consistent throughout the game. We'll go on runs that, that we look great and it looks like we're going to pull away and, and win by 30, but then we'll turn around and, you know, it's a six point game. And then 
there was like a three minute stretch where we scored two points and all of a sudden we're down seven. Um, but I thought we showed a lot of fight and coming back. And I was really impressed by the fact that, you know, without heels, they were able to battle back and, and really lock in, especially on the defensive end in order to climb back in that game. I was, I was really proud of what I saw from them in terms of that, because I think when it comes to the tournament, ACC tournament, NCAA tournament, um, or the UNC games, like those are games where it's never going to fully get out of hand, most likely, and, and you're going to have to battle. Uh, and I liked, I liked the fight that I saw from that. But, okay, so yeah. let, let me ask a question. The thing I noticed about that game was that game was in Florida, in Tallahassee, and I'm thinking, okay, Duke is in this. They can win this. Um, but what if this game is in their other home court called uh, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn where the ACC championship is held? Does that give Duke a better chance at beating a team like Florida State? And do you think your home advantage – in New York is going to give you an opportunity to beat Miami. Oh, definitely. I think that, um, you know, the garden and the Barclays center are basically home away from home for Duke. And there's a huge Duke network and, and a ton of fans out there. And, and especially playing in Florida state, like Florida state's not an easy place to play. We've always had trouble there, whether it is the Cam Reddish year who's hitting a game winning three, like there's always been issues with Florida state. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that their crowd is so rowdy and loud and, and gets so into it. Um, you know, like they stormed the court after they won, like they the, the crowd definitely played a factor. And I think if we're um, either in Cameron or in the Barclays center or fingers crossed um, in the East regional, then I think we have a much better chance of, of winning that game. And I, I think, um, it's kind of goes to what I said earlier, which is like, this is like, we're taking everyone's shot, you know, and that's kind of always how Duke basketball works. But, but in particular in the ACC this year, when Duke is kind of the only opportunity to really boost your resume, we really are going to get everyone's best shot. Um, and a lot of people see beating Duke as, as, you know, maybe a last gasp to save the season, you know, particularly kind of like UNC, what you said about Hubert Davis. So, I think that if, if it isn't a neutral site and, and the crowd is much more taken out of it, um, they don't go on those runs. We don't go scoreless for so long. Like I think there's a lot of different things that it's, it would be more of a kind of even, even style of play basketball rather than it would be um, these, these drastic runs. And I think, um, I think that we, I, I definitely think we would have come away with a win. I think All right. four or five. So kind of, uh, let me set the stage. I've already conceded. I don't think that Hubert Davis has, what it takes to get to an ACC final. But I do think that Miami does. And, you know, as a basketball fan and looking at Florida State, Miami, and Duke as the top three teams in the conference, right? Um, and looking at the ACC tournament being at Barclays Center, the one thing I can see is Duke is going to have a home field advantage. But I think Miami might be able to match and buy up the tickets because they've got a rowdy crowd. They will be possibly playing Duke in the final. There's a lot of New Yorkers that live in Miami who are now Miami fans. The Miami fans also have the celebrities, the rappers. Uh, you, you know, they got all of that hype factor. What do you think if that game were to transpire, 2022, Barclays Center, who's going to have the biggest entourage at Barclays in Brooklyn? I mean, 
in terms of numbers, I got to go to Duke. I think Duke always shows out. I think we travel really well. You know, I I know that. Um, Are you traveling or are you just coming out of the investment banks in New York? Is it really a travel date or is that no, where yeah, you're it's second, It's basically a second home. It's, it's, it's Duke's North Campus, actually. Um, so we it's it's yeah, it's definitely going to be an unfair numbers advantage. But I, I do think there is a valid point in that the Miami fans probably might be a little louder, you know. It's not it's not the Cameron crazies up in New York. It's it's kind of the Cameron subdueds a little bit. They're they're a little older, um, but they're still going to be loud and, and, and they're going to cheer. Um, I do think like playing Miami worries me, even on a neutral site. They beat us in Cameron, right? Like they beat us with no fans. They beat us when we have like our strongest home environment. So um, um, I do think that the, you know, the fans will help us as opposed to other teams. I think Miami um Miami's going to have a solid number of fans there and they're going to be loud, but I don't think it'll be enough to take over the building like they did. They're going to come in there, Connor, with their gold chains, their, 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 their turnover clocks. They're going to come in there. The Miami fans are some serious, hardcore fans. They got super fans everywhere. They, 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 they travel. And I believe for basketball, because they don't have football this year, they are going to come up in the garden and um, and they're going to bring DJ Kali. They're going to bring everybody up from Miami. And I think that because they think that they're going to have a shot to win at Barclays. And there's a lot of New Yorkers who are Miami fans. I think that that game potentially could be a blockbuster game, a fun game. Duke Nation could be challenged because uh, they did go into Cameron and win, and that's a hard thing to do. So at Barclays, I'm 100% sure that uh, that that the K Nation is going to roll from all over the South and be in New York to like to take on Duke. I think that could be a good one. Yeah, I think, I mean, I would love to see that matchup, especially in a, in a neutral environment. But I think, you know, you got to give a little credit to Duke fans out there. We travel strong. Whenever you see us playing in the Garden, it's basically a home game for us. So I think... There is something to be said for Miami, especially because they're down in football right now. The fans are cute. Like, you're cute. The Cameron Crazies are a cute thing. It's a a cute. They don't call us the Cameron Cuties. They don't call us the Cameron Cuties. Hardcore, let's get down, do anything for our team. You're cute. Like, Cameron Crazies, the Duke alumni, it's a cute thing. It's just a cute thing. Like you support, you, you're there, you you guys are swinging your money. But the Miami fan is a different fan. It's a different guy. It's a different crew. It's a, it, it's a different person that follows them. And I think that they're going to take over the garden. I think they're going to outdo Duke. I think that your your fans, your New York fans, are going to acquiesce to those Miami guys when they come up. That's what I, I think. Don't know. I think that they uh, might be a little confused if there's a basketball game going on, not a football game going on. So they might be a little out of it. I, I, I I'm with you that they're going to travel strong, but I, I, I won't take any of this disrespect. We're going to come. We're going to come strong. It's not the Cameron cuties. It's not the Cameron cuties. It's the Cameron crazies. We're crazy. No, we're you're going to be gonna travel strong. Play your, your Duke music. You got you know this things about Duke. You're going to play your little Duke music. You guys going to think you're cool. You guys going to be talking. The Apple guys are going to come back, and you guys are going to be networking. It's going to be cute. The Miami fan is going to be there to win that game. They're going to think that they're going to have something on you, and those guys 
are going to play. Larinaga is going to play Duke. He's going to try to beat Coach K, win an ACC championship in Coach K's last championship. Now, this game is in Washington, D.C. I think it's a little bit different. Being in New York, I'm, I think that the Miami fans are going to come. They're going to represent. They're going to intimidate. And they're going to show you what real super fans, not this cute Duke thing. Oh, I'm from Duke. I'm an investment banker. They're not. It's going to be a little bit different, Connor. But let's let, let's move on to the Tar Heels. What do you, what yeah. Do you, yeah, I mean, <laughs> now that we're talking about a team that's definitely not going to be in the ACC championship game, like, <laughs> other than just – Borderline depression. How 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 are you feeling about last night? Like what, what's going through your head right now, Haas? Uh, everything. I mean, I didn't see a team that can compete. Baycott cannot shoot. Leaky back. Hubert Davis raved about Leaky Black's defense uh two days ago. And but he can't shoot open jumpers. Um Caleb Love, I was looking forward to seeing him go into a situation where he could not be successful, but he could put on a show for NBA scouts and just make me happy that we've got a, a potential NBA guy on the court. I saw nothing last night, and um, and, and it, quite frankly, it pisses me off. Uh, Carolina should have guys that even when they're outmatched, they should have one player that can always get to the hoop, always find a shot, and make a, an unwinnable game competitive. And we did none of the above. The above. So, um, so as a Carolina fan, I am pissed off. I think Hubert Davis needs to be to do better. I think Roy Williams did not set up uh, Hubert Davis for success because he did not do what Dean Smith did with a Bill Guffridge and leave him stocked with Antoine Jameson, with uh, Vince Carter, with Jeff McGinnis. I mean, I could go on and on. He left them with a team of five NBA players and then went on to retire. And I feel like Roy left uh, UNC in shambles. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting collection of players. Like I think, Caleb Love is supposed to be that guy, and, and sometimes he looks like that guy. But, you know, last night he had five points um, and on 12 five shots. Points. Yeah, and then he and then he had, you know, eight points against Purdue. So I would just – I guess my question is, is is who's going to be that guy for you going forward if it's if it's not Caleb Love? Who, who do you think that is that can give you a shot against, you know, Duke basically? I, I don't think we have him. I, I – you know, Armando Baycott against – a horrible Georgia Tech team got like I think 29 points against a horrible Georgia Tech team, um, and all his points were in the paint. Um, he took not one shot that was more than two or three feet from the rim. Uh, the reality is, when he plays Duke, uh, he's not getting that close to the rim. So, do we have anyone who can um, can you know just give us hope? You know, I was hoping that guy was going to be uh, Caleb Love, but Caleb Love, five points. I mean, you got to do better than that. Caleb's got to do better than that. He was recruited to do better than that, and he didn't show up. And I don't think it was because he didn't want to. I don't think he's capable of showing up. And it just says to me that we're recruiting the wrong guys. We don't have the right guys in the pipeline. And the coaches have to do better um, next year, and they're going to have to land some top 
top, top picks so that, uh, you know, that we can be competitive in the ACC. Yeah. So do you think any of this blame goes to Hubert Davis or is it all, is it all just on, on the team that he has around him? Like, is there any way in your mind that if they lose both games to Duke, you know, drop another couple ACC games in here, maybe even miss the tournament? Is there like a path in your mind to maybe even a new head coach next year? Or is there like, are you mad at Hubert Davis? I think, I think Hubert's going to, I think Hubert's got a lifeline. Um, and I think that lifeline is going to be two seasons before there's going to be hardcore talk about changing the coach. But the other question you have to ask yourself is who's in the pipeline, who is ready to take over and bear the burden of, of guiding Carolina basketball to victory. Um, one other thing I thought Roy was, I felt like he should have, as soon as he took over, he should have had more of Coach Smith's guys on his bench from George Lynch to uh, King Rice to, uh, to Jerry Stackhouse to bring in some of our highlight players so that not that they, they could sit there, but that he could push them to programs so that when he was ready to leave, we had a bunch of guys fighting for that job who were qualified. And I didn't feel like coach uh, uh, Roy did that. And so that, so that's enough. That's a strike against Roy Roy strike. It's a strike against you. Um, second, there is one guy sitting in the wings um, who I think would out recruit Shire. I'll play him. I'll put the right guys on the bench. And his name is Mr. Jerry Stackhouse. And I think uh, that's a guy that, for whatever reason, I don't think uh, UNC gave him a realistic shot because I believe Roy wanted Hubert to be the predecessor. But Jerry Stackhouse, to me, would be able to go around the country and recruit anyone in the country. I think Jerry Stackhouse would walk into Cameron and put fear in every Cameron faithful, these little cute dookie fans. I think he would put fear in them and because he would out recruit Shire, he would out recruit um, your whole, the whole staff. So, so my hope is Hubert is successful and we don't have to go that route. Um, but I think the only logical backup will be Jerry Stackhouse, who's over at Vanderbilt and people will say, um, well, he didn't win at Vanderbilt. And I would respond, no one wins at Vanderbilt because they can't get the right guys in there because of the academic standards. And in addition, they do not have a history of being successful in the SEC. So with that said, I believe that, you know, if we had to pull the trigger to get another coach, I think the only two coaches that you could go and get are by the names of King Rice or Jerry, Mr. Jerry Stackhouse. And I know kind of Mr. Jerry Stackhouse puts fear in your heart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, anyone other than Roy is honestly is honestly good by me. Um, I like I think it's a great comparison with Kay because Kay Kay kind of did the same thing where he hand selected Shire, but um, Kay's also done what you were talking about, which is he's had his former players around. You know, there's like a couple names swirling, but there's like he's pushed coaches out to other coaching jobs. People talking about the Hurleys potentially. Um, so there was a lot of ties, I think, with Duke, whereas. You know, with UNC, it seemed like there weren't that many options for head coach, and they kind of just um, slid into something that was, you know, the safest and kind of the best 
um, way to try and continue what they have going. But now it, it, it seems like the, the safest route might be the most unremarkable, which is not always the best thing. Um, and right now it's, it, their offense is looking very unremarkable and, and, and honestly just tough to watch. Yeah, and, and, and Connor, look, again, you guys can rag on UNC, but we made a coaching change. You guys announced your next coach, but that real coaching change doesn't go into effect until next year, right? And then you're going to have a real understanding when you lose five first-round draft picks what John Shire is really about, you know? Like, uh, again, I think he was an equivalent pick to Hubert Davis. It's a very safe pick, good guys, part of the program. He's He's got the the old uh, Duke guys on the bench. I feel it with Nate James. Is he on the bench? Nate James on the mm-hmm. bench? Yeah. You got Nate James. You got, uh, you got a bunch of guys on the bench, right? So, yeah, it's great. But to me, if Coach K really wanted to do something, who really wanted to, like, increase the rivalry, he really wanted to fire up the rivalry, you bring Bobby Hurley and Carolina brings Jerry Stackhouse or a King Rice into Cameron Indoor Stadium because those guys would come in there with the baseball bats and tear up the whole place and um, and 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 make sure that Duke uh, – Duke couldn't win on their own surfaces. And similarly, I feel like Bobby Hurley would understand what it takes to win in the Dean Dome. Uh, and, uh, and and that would be my most feared coach because not only does he bring coaching expertise, he brings a competitive fire that, uh, that we've seen as a player. And that game is going to mean a lot to him. Where Shire, in my opinion, he's a nice guy. He's a nice coach. He he looks good on the sidelines. He looks like he he could he could lead Duke, but we'll find out next year if he actually can. Yeah, I mean, I think I the one thing about a Jerry Stackhouse, Bobby Hurley, Duke UNC game is I can almost guarantee you that there's going to be a technical from one of the coaches. Um, so I think it'd be electric to watch, and and I'm with you. I think Hurley's resume, along with the type of guy that he is, would just breathe absolute fire into it. But I also think that um, they're like the different strategies that Kay and Williams took in terms of kind of passing it down and, and Kay waiting a year is helpful, right? Like Shire's running all of the timeouts in terms of X's and O's. Um, obviously you're never going to beat Kay in terms of like a culture guy, but I do think that, you know, Shire's getting a lot of experience. The one thing that I, that I wonder is right. Like, you know that if Duke goes down at half or or it's a tight game and Kay calls a timeout, he's going to tear into them. He's going to light them up, right? He, his, his veins are going to be bulging in his neck and his forehead everywhere. He's just going to be freaking out. Um, does Shire have that in him? Does Shire have that fire and intensity to get the or, guys or, or Can Shire do that? Yeah, I don't know. That's I don't the know question. Look, 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 listen to me. That's the question. You're, you're tearing into a five-star recruit that can give you the middle finger Go to the NBA. Can Shire command that type of respect? Coach K, that five-star recruit, knows he's coached 50 NBA players. Coach K, 71 years old. Coach K has earned the right to light into those guys, and those guys are going to take it. Can Shire do that? I don't don't know that. I don't know that. I don't. Yeah, I think it's it's tough, especially, like, as – recruiting and the whole landscape changes. Like, do we think fire Shire's like 
the, the fire me up guy. And, and if he is, is he going to get a Jalen John situation where they walk away from the team? Right. Like I don't, I, I a hundred percent I'm with you. It's kind of like when Bill Belichick, uh, when his, you know, coaching disciples go elsewhere, you, you can't be, you know, a jerk and, and lose games. Right. You can't, you have to earn the reputation first before you can start kind of being that guy. So it'll be really tough for Shire because he's, he's going in or he just might handle it differently and maybe that'll work out. But I, I do think that's the biggest question. And um, Roy obviously has kind of a different coaching style, but, but it's going to be a lot of similar questions that Duke is facing that UNC is facing this year. And, you know, the way it's going for UNC, I'm not exactly looking forward to it. So let, so before we go to Saturday's preview, I just want to say one more thing in NBA basketball players sell the game in college basketball coaches sell the game. The, the only consistent figure in college sports is the coach. So the focus is on the coach. The marketing is on the coach. Um, I'm not 100% sure that Shire is super marketable. I'm not 100% sure that uh, Hubert Davis is super marketable. They're super nice guys. They know the X and O's. But this thing is about TV. This is about rating. This is about hype. My question is... Did these schools make the right choices? They're safe choices, but are they marketable choices, right? How, to me, Shia could still do those X and O's. Shia could do everything as a top assistant. But what I know is that a Bobby Hurley faced Jerry Stackhouse or King Rice or Christian Leitner or whoever is more compelling from a TV fanfare, rival, historical rivalry perspective than a John Shire versus Hubert Davis. You know, we at, at Blue Blood Rivalry, we uh, we did the, the film on Duke and Carolina, Best Moments. Um, John Shire is not in that film. And it's a reason why he's not in that film, because he didn't do anything. Okay? Hubert Davis is not in that film. Hubert Davis is a good player, an NBA player, great jump shot. But he's not in that film because he didn't have a moment. He didn't have a defining moment in the rivalry. And my question is, will those guys, can those guys' personalities, because they're good guys, nice guys, can they really take this rivalry and keep a focus on it? And and I'm, I'm going to give you an example. The Charlotte Hornets have never been on SportsCenter in the last – 15 years back, we'd have to go back to like Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, uh, Muggsy Bogues uh, for the Charlotte Hornets, Buzz City to be on SportsCenter. They go out and get a player, LaMelo Ball. Now they're on SportsCenter. Now everybody's focused on it because they got a marketable player. Like I said, players market the NBA, coaches market uh, college basketball. And I still believe that both uh, schools uh, made the made the wrong marketing choices. They picked great human beings, great guys, great family men, but I'm not sure they can market this rivalry. Yeah, I mean, I think personally, I definitely would have gone with Hurley. I, I just think he's a very good, qualified coach, and you know, I love the fire. And I definitely, in terms of Duke UNC, you know that he hates. UNC with, you know, every fiber of his being. So what I will say is, <laughs> I I will say is this, <laughs> um, I think 
Duke nationally is still going to get a lot of eyeballs, no matter who the head coach is, because people win or lose want to watch Duke fail. Um, and I think the support for Duke might be not as strong as it has been in the past, but the people, the numbers, the eyeballs that are on it is still going to be incredibly high. I think just the, like what Duke means and in UNC to a degree too, like what they mean in college basketball and who they have been, I think for at least the next five or six years will carry them until like a point becomes either. Yeah. Hubert Davis has no personality and, and, and doesn't have it, like isn't marketable in that way. And John Shire isn't, which, um, you know, I think is the likely outcome, but also five or six years of coaching changes a lot, right? Like, John Shire, well, one or both of those guys could be out by then. Um, other, on the other hand, they could both be incredibly successful and people could be watching them for different reasons. Like, I think a good example is like Scott Drew at Baylor. You know, Baylor's a smaller program and, and they're not getting as much eyeballs, but the last couple of years, you know, they're getting a ton of attention. Um, they're playing incredibly well. And, and Scott Drew is not necessarily an exciting guy. He's not like a super fiery guy. He's kind of just uh, more of a milk toast nice dude and, and he's good with the X's and O's. So I think there is definitely a path there, um, but it won't be the same as every single time Duke plays they are on ESPN and the graphic flashes, you know, most wins in D1, D1 men's basketball history um, and all of the fanfare and everything like that. Like it's always the goat. Like he, there, there's been this like buildup of just, you know, I guess, praise and, and everything for, for K and for the program that I, I obviously is going to fade, but I would, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like, I don't know how, how they market um, Duke to Duke fans as, as well as just like, you know, this is your team keep rooting for them. But I think there's, it's even if more so more marketable to elsewhere because, you know, Hey, watch Duke lose, watch Duke get beat up. They have a new coach there. It's not going to work out. Um, so a brands erode, Connor. And, um, you're a little bit younger than I am. You're a lot younger than I am. But when you guys say, oh, oh, New York is our home field. But in the 90s, that was our home field. Dean Smith was the first player, first coach to take the Carolina brand to Madison Square Garden and get the sellouts. In the 90s, early 2000s, that marketplace was ours. When Dean Smith retired, Coach Smith kind of took the family footprint the New York footprint, and he said, hey, we're going to take this over. We're going to play games up there because a lot of our alumni actually live up there. But prior to 1997, when Dean Smith retired, UNC was New York. It was New York's territory. They were new. UNC was America's team. Michael Jordan, Worthy, Perkins, all those guys, right? So as a Carolina fan – I've seen a brand erode and become more of a regional Southern brand because another guy on the block took it and, and expanded that brand because they won. So the idea of like this Duke thing is just like stable. This Duke thing is like great. Uh, Shire can uh, manage this entire platform. He may, but he may not. Um, and I think that brands, that have evolved, hit heights, hit their maximum heights, and then they erode. And you and and Duke might be in the situation where they've got a nice coach, he's a good guy, but he may not be the guy to push the brand forward. And I'm sticking to that. Yeah, I mean, I think 
winning is is kind of the answer to all of this right like if we win the brand's gonna is gonna survive and you know k like k is such a big brand and, and is created such a big brand mostly because of winning like his other most marketable feature is that he's like kind of that's his like that's his thing so like i don't i think i think there's definitely something to be said for like having that fire and being able to you know draw a bunch of eyebrows but um i i definitely think that if if we're winning games and if if we still are you know perennially one of the top teams in college basketball i, I think we'll be fine and, and you know you might be right i think if you really are looking at it from a zoomed out perspective, 2015 could be, I mean, sorry, Zion's year um, a few years ago in 2018 might be the the peak that Duke ever gets to in terms of eyeballs and, and how big all the hype and everything surrounding it. That that could be it. Um, but I don't think we're going to go away and I don't think we're going away anytime soon. Hopefully. You know, and we're going to, we're going to conclude. We're going to conclude about this segment in terms of talking about, you know, the brand, Shire, Hubert Davis, what it takes. The thing that made Coach K great and the thing that developed his brand was he was second on the block in the 90s. Coach Smith was the big dog on the block. But when he came to the Dean Dome, he was the first guy to look Coach Smith in the eye and say, Fuck you, we're going to win this game, right? And we hated the rat because he was a guy who said, hey, I'm going to go up, I'm going to recruit against you, and I'm going to freaking beat you. Right. And when Coach K uh, finally started to beat him, like night was in 92, 91, 92, that was, it was a big years for you. Right. And then 93, uh, Dean Smith said, I got a freaking win. We win in 93. So that you guys went back to back to back to back. We win 93. And then, and then there's this, this recruiting war that goes because before that Duke is just another ACC team with a nice school and who had good basketball, but they weren't a powerhouse. Um, and all I'm saying to you is that some of that fight drive, some of that ability of not being a nice guy to go into the Carolina and try to get a win or a Carolina guy that says, F you. I want you off the freaking front pages. Those are the guys that are going to be successful in this rivalry. You got to get off the, the front page, right? So as a Carolina fan, I want Duke off the freaking front page. I want them off of every recruit. I want them off the front page. I want them minimized, okay? Because I'm a Carolina fan. And, um, and you need a coach that's willing not to be such a nice guy, but that wants to minimize that team and my issue with both coaches is that when they played they never had a moment where they minimized the other okay they never had a moment where that you can look back and say jerry stackhouse's dunk on freaking uh on freaking uh, uh cherokee parks that's the guy cherokee park uh, but in that same game that was the Capel shot that sent it into overtime, right? Jeff Capel had one of those moments because he refused to lose. Neither Shire or Davis has had those moments, and I'm sticking to it. So can they can they uh, manage the rivalry? We're going to find out. We're finding out what Hubert Davis has right now. And next year when Coach K leaves and he sits in the stands like Roy – and he gets his swan song and he loses five 
five um, first-round picks, you will understand what you have in, in John Shire. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I think it'll take t- – time will tell, but I, I have faith, and I think – I don't know. I think it's going to be by far the most respectful coaching matchup between Duke UNC in, in a long it, it, time. It, 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 I don't want it to be respectful. Yeah, I, I want it. I hate you guys, so I, I, I hope that our, our coach hates you as much as I do. And the thing was, especially that's kind of like with two former players that understand how much the rivalry means, like I don't think you could have gotten two former players that um, – or less like, or at least appear to be less emotionally invested in the rivalry, um, whether that was during their playing time or, or now, you know, as assistant coaches, like, you know, I want, if I, if anything, I, I want Tyler Hansborough on your side, you know, guys that are like, you know, that they will give literally everything and, and want, want it so bad that they, like you said, they have these moments um, and they have kind of that fire, you know, like the way Hurley would, um, but I think I, I I don't know. I'm interested to see how it plays out. I, I think there could be a lot of change in both uh, Davis and Shire in, in terms of their personality because um, being a coach of a college program and, and such a big college program like this is, is not for nice guys. So we'll see how kind of long that nice guy demeanor lasts. And it might be easier to run that from being an assistant coach and uh, maybe – Fingers crossed it'll change, or, or maybe it won't. Um, but we'll, we'll, I guess there's a lot of time to see how it's going to play out. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six-pack or four-pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale, is light, crisp, and refreshing. All right, so let's just conclude. Let's uh, do the uh, Saturday's preview. We have UNC taking on Wake Forest. Uh, Wake and Forest is fourteen and four. We have uh, Duke taking on Syracuse. Uh, I think your whole family's coming to town for that. Is that is that true, Connor Dollars? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have three different uh, current current Duke alum. My, my actually two Duke students. My my younger sister is a freshman at Duke. Um, and then I have my, my are, dad you really, are you like, like a generational dookie? Is this true? That's what I heard about you. You're like one of the, you're like a real Duke Harden legacy Duke student. Is that, is that you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, for the longest time, uh, what I tell people is I, I never knew that people hated Duke. I just thought, assumed everyone loved Duke because my whole family loves Duke. And that's kind of, how I was literally born and raised on Kool-Aid. So um, I'm, I'm Duke through and through. All right, all right. So this weekend we've got the DM and Dickens taking on Carolina, and we got Syracuse taking on Duke. Uh, Connor, I'm going to start with Duke. Uh, is this an easy win? Is this a, a is this a moderate win? Do you guys have to show up to win? What is it going to take for uh, Duke to come away with a win? Well, I think uh, the game against Florida State and, and Miami really show you that we can't take any nights off. Um, I don't think this Syracuse team is as good as those teams, but I. Um, the zone has always kind of been a little bit of a problem for us. And our shooting is a little bit more questionable this year, especially if Trevor Keels isn't able to play. Like, I'm not really sure what lineup we're going to go with, but Wendell's been struggling from three recently. Um, I do think Paolo has a great chance to, like, 
he needs to take over this game from the high post with his passing and shot making ability. Like this is the perfect game for him to just come up to the elbow and get the ball in the middle of that zone um, and do something with it. So I, I, I think I really feel like we should win this game, but um, Bayheim versus K is always kind of a very tricky situation for us. And yeah, the zone is, the zone is really suspect. So I think it's just going to come down to how we're shooting. Um, and I think a lot of that's going to like hinge on Wendell and Jeremy Roach um, and hopefully AJ Griffin can keep shooting. So it's really just about, um, I think our shot making ability, I think we'll be there defensively. I think there's always a chance um, that one of one or both of the Bayheims goes off, but I think we're in a good yeah, spot. Yeah, he's got his son playing. His son's, look, this is, here's what, here's how I see it. Jimmy Bayheim, 77 years old, an old school relic of college basketball. He's not – Beheim is going to die coaching basketball, right? He's going to want to send his little buddy, Coach K, a nice departing gift with an L, okay? So – the and he's got his son on his team who's going to want to go – who's them, probably – two of them. Yes, who's – they got – who's probably going to want to shoot the lights out in Cameron Indoor Stadium. I think there's going to be a lot of pageantry. Coach K's last game against Syracuse, against his friend Jim Beheim. His children are coming into the um, in the stadium. I think this is going to be a really good game. I think this is going to be a really tough game. I think the zone is going to cause a lot of problems for Duke. And um, and the best thing that Jim Beheim can do to Coach K is give him an L. And, um, and I think he's going to try. I don't know if he can. But I think he's going to try, and um, and then this is going to be an exciting game. Is the whole family excited about it, Connor? Oh yeah, yeah, we're super fired up. Um, we all have tickets together, so hopefully, hopefully, it's going to be a good game. I think, I honestly, I do think there's a, it's going to be competitive, and, and Bayheim versus K is obviously like a matchup of titans, and they're both basketball guys through and through. So um, I'm incredibly excited, and I'm, and I, I don't know if we're going to be able to run away with it, but. Um, we got the whole family coming out from the West Coast and the East Coast and right here in Durham. So, you know, at least four of us dogs are going to be rocking and rolling for the game. You know, our fans are probably saying this dollar guy like, OK, Syracuse, Duke, weekend game, Saturday night game. His whole family's rolling into a stadium that is known for like limited capacity. You know, I think you've got our fans like figuring out, want to know who the heck is, who the heck are you that you can get your whole family in Cameron indoor stadium. But um, I applaud you guys. I hope you guys have a good time um, on my side, Carolina versus uh, Wake Forest. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Um, I know it's one of those games we could win. I know it's one of those games we can lose. I think we're going to be, fairly match fairly well because like I said the ACC Duke is the only ranked team um in the ACC and uh and but I because of their non-conference wins I don't think we can beat the top four teams in the uh, ACC and that includes Notre Dame um but I do think we we can compete against the Louisville against the Wake Forest of the world and um and it's going to be interesting to see if a Mondo Baycott can get a control of the paint and whatever it is that he does near the paint, get his points. If he can get going, 
then we have a chance. If uh, he can't get rolling in the paint, which he can, he will never be able to do against Miami, which he will never be able to do against Florida State, just way too much size. Um, and Caleb Love has proven that he can't. He's not that guy. He can't go go get buckets. Like there's just guys that can in a game you green light them, they can get buckets. That that was for Caleb Love last night, just to go get buckets. And he showed me he really couldn't find the bucket on his own. So uh, so it's going to be interesting for us. And I'm going to learn a lot about Hubert's team. I'm going to learn about how will how willing they are to fight because this is a game that they could win or lose. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you got it exactly right. But got one one last question for you. Uh, Caleb Love over under five points, five points on Saturday. You think he can top his last scoring outing? Yeah, he can top it. Um, you know, it's Caleb Love for his game to work. I think he's got to be able to drive to the paint. And I think he's got to go inside and get to the paint. And, um, and then he can fake his shot, his drive, and then get a spacing to shoot his set shot. Because he doesn't have really a jump shot. He has a set shot. And, um, and, but when you have that type of length in Miami, it kind of kept him away from that ba- the basket. And um, against Wake Forest, I think he's going to be able to get there. So he'll, play, so he'll get more points. But again, going into the paint against Duke is going to be tough. You got a seven, you got a seven footer, you got Paolo, who, what is he? Six ten, six eleven. I mean, there's a lot of size in there, which enables you guys to compete against the Florida States and the Miamis, but our team, it's just going to Caleb love. I don't know if he has that type of game or, or that type of bounce in the paint where he can rise up and, and still get there. So, uh, so, but I do think he will get 10, 15 points against Wake Forest. Um, I do think Armando Baycott will get 20 points. Um, and I think our team has a chance to win um, because I think we can beat those mid-table, mid-level table teams because, to be honest, those teams aren't very good. And the win that we had over Georgia Tech, the coach at Georgia Tech, should be uh, – put on a stake, set on fire, because the team that he's fielding is absolutely a 100% disaster. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, these these are the, the games you're going to have to win to make the tournament and, and and be, you know, a top half ACC team, right? Wake Forest is right on that border. So this is kind of a very good test in my eyes to see, like, where, where exactly are you? I don't think you're necessarily 28 points worse than Miami, but um, – Definitely not, you know, within five or six of Miami right now. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. And I think, you know, a good amount of time off from Tuesday will be helpful. Hopefully Hubert Davis can get, get the boys together for you. But, um, you know, fingers crossed that that Wake Forest comes away with the win and, and, and Duke pulls away with this rivalry this year. All right. Well, Connor, we're back. Season four, yes, episode one. Blue Blood TV, we're back, and we're going to take it. Fans, we're going to be taking it all the way down to Duke, Carolina on March 5th. I think that's Saturday, March 5th. And then if if the teams go on beyond, we're going to take them all the way through the tournament to talk about their success. ACC tournament. Um, this season, COVID, Connor, it's been real, real difficult for – you know, the students and everything, but I'm really excited about season four of Blue Blood TV. Ha- happy to have you back. 
longtime legacy Duke guy who's been a Duke fan for from the time he was born. Father's a Dukey, his uncle's a Dukey, his mom's a Dukey, his sister's a Dukey. But you know what, Connor, when you come on this podcast, you're going up against the ultimate Carolina guy. My mother's from the state of North Carolina. My wife went to North Carolina. My daughter is an ACC legend at North Carolina. And I'm, I went to North Carolina, so uh, so so be ready to battle, brother, because I'm going to battle you all season. And uh, that's it. And we out. I'm shooting yo. Women come and go with the cat. You gon' learn and learn fast. They gon' fall, put them to ass. I get my medicine straight out the bag. I'm a prospect, not from earth. I feel like a monster. Matter of fact, that came from a starship. My bed felt like a coffin. Not waking up. If I run into ops, I'm an off. I don't know if you think that you stop it. What I got going on? Gotta send me with auto on. This ain't no water correct. This is a threat. Now I'm coming at your neck. Tack you like a pet. Sound like a pop tart. Act like they got no heart. They always offended Mad about it, I already been it That bitch for everybody, we ain't spoken a minute Still in the picture, and I'm still leaving with it It ain't nothing, I can't I'm conform. a rap. I ain't falling back, no She need more, she got too attached huh. I did it to me like I'm on one Three thousand for that new red coin Walk around look like a mummy Psychedelics hurt my tummy Swipe, swipe, I'ma get it all yeah, nowadays I get what I want. Lately been spinning a bag. I did it to get in that cat. I did it to popping them tanks. Money was made for the sad. Now my ex be calling back. Saw me come up out the random. Didn't wait long, now that bitch throwing tension. Her friends fell in love when I fell under fame. In my DMs talking about hey, handsome. I know that they hate me and want me for ransom. It's nothing new, I won't give it to that. I eat the hate up and spit it right back. My lyrics like bullets, I'm shooting yo. Women come and go with the cat. You gon' learn and learn it's fast. Come to smashing the gas. They made me mad now. I'm back in my bag. I hope my man and my side never crash. Why about the cat trying to dodge my past? We catch that boy, then we robbing his. It's the principle. I don't need the cash. Expensive. Half a million on lashes. I can kick it, but I don't like to brag. They made me mad. I'm about to turn up. I got my glizzy wishing. Run up. You can come get you, cause I don't want to. I ran my millions up from out the corner. On the one out here doing what I want to. My little bro ran it up on marijuana. Turn up in the summer Track off a sport I press it Then I launch it I'm thinking God Ain't no more free lunches Got suspended Me and Granny Hunch House up on the hill I used to want it Now I got it I don't even stay there Mikey Dini I don't play for Probably spend me a million On haters On they top Make them drop And I don't give a I don't call Nowadays I get what I want Lately been spending a bag I did it to get in that cat I did it to popping them tags Money was made for the sad Now my ex be calling back Saw me come up out the random Didn't wait long Now that bitch throwing tension Her friends fell in love When I fell under fame In my DMs talking about her handsome I know that they hate me And want me for ransom It's nothing new I won't give it to that I eat the hate up And spit it right back My lyrics like bullets I'm shooting yo Women come and go with the cat You gon' learn And learn it's fast They gon' fall Throw them to ass Thank you.